Today's episode was sponsored by Loot Crate, the subscription box for the geek, gamer, and or nerd in all of us. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items of gamer and pop culture licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. Make sure to head to LootCrate.com slash KFGames and enter code KFGames to save $3 on any new subscription. This year thus far, there have been crates featuring some exclusive items from Star Wars and Voltron, as well as some epic geek apparel from our favorite shows. A crate all about strategy games, a crate all about covert operations, and... There's only more awesomeness to come. Remember, you only have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. So go to lootcrate.com slash kfgames and enter code kfgames to save $3 on your new subscription today. What's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode 42 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. I'm Tim Geddes, as always, joined by... One of the coolest dudes in video games, Colin Moriarty. It's an overwhelming way of describing it, is, it but, I'm, but I'll never accurate. get used to it. I appreciate that. Though. Yeah, the other half, Greg Miller, off in, doing some in crazy Nashville. Stuff. Not Ran- really sure. randomly, yeah. But we replaced him with something way better, way, way better. We got Aaron Aaron Greenberg, who is the head of first and third party game marketing for Xbox. That's a lot of things. It is a lot of a things. lot of games and, and a I lot like of things. That. So this is going to be a very special <laughs> Xbox centered ex- yeah, episode. I'm excited of the about it. Games cast. I'm excited about it. You know, because usually people know us as. Nintendo and PlayStation fanboys. So right. I'm excited that we're going to, you know, kind of delve deep into the other side. Yeah. And I, I'm, I have we have questions, as I've said many times, even when we talked at E3, everything looks so promising this year and next mm-hmm. year for Xbox. There's a lot of good games coming out. It seems like the 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 schedule of first and second party games is nice and spread out. So you're covering a lot of you know territory and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So we have a lot of good questions and yeah. also questions from the audience, which I'm going to we be. have many questions yeah. from the audience. Awesome. So so this is this is going to be how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's uh Crazy time of the year for us, but mm-hmm. good to get down here and spend some time with you guys. And definitely a fan of the show. And thank you. Awesome. Uh, I feel like I've stepped into a little bit of like the the Sony. You know, I've got shoe behind me, <laughs> and, uh, uh, resistance, and uh, so, you're in by the, the way, Huge fan of his. So yeah. I got, oh, to, he's, he's, I got yeah. to host him at E3 mm-hmm. this year when he, they came through and see our stuff, and just a first class guy. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, very awesome. For those that don't know, this is the kind of funny games cast. Every week we talk about our passion about video games distributed. Over at YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, Monday through Thursday, topic by topic, full episode on Friday, and on all of the iTunes and all the different podcast services. Please go there, rate, comment, subscribe, do all that type of stuff. And then, if you want this episode early, you can go to Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games, throw a couple dollars that way, you can get the the audio early, the video early, a whole bunch of other fancy fancy things. Oh, yeah. 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 There's a whole... Two box, I get it early? We, we uh, have, the audio is five. The okay. video is 10 for a month. You get the Got whole it. month of it. Okay. So this episode will be going live tomorrow morning. Got it. AKA tonight, really. Late. Yeah. 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 So cool. it's going to be going to yeah. be pretty... We have great support from our, our, our viewers. Exactly. Earlier, so we appreciate you. That's awesome. Thank very, you. very That's much great. so. So getting right into it. Topic number one is the holiday lineup for Xbox. Yes. You obviously are familiar as your shirt kind of <laughs> says. Um, tell us about it. It's uh, been an incredible lineup to be part of. I think it's, you know, many years in the making. You know, a lot of our big AAA games uh, spend multiple years in development. And so a lot of seeds that were planted, uh, frankly, a big investments we made uh, more closely timed to when we launched the Xbox One. And we started to look at what are the type of games we want to have one year, two years from now. Uh, and to be able to have a year with, you know, we did Rare Replay to kind of kick off our mm-hmm holiday uh then we followed that up with gears of war ultimate edition then we followed that up with forza motorsport six and then now of course uh next week is uh is halo five mm-hmm. and so uh and then after that is call of duty and 
Tomb Raider and Fallout 4 and Battlefront. So <laughs> there's yeah. like no shortage of games. As a gamer, hopefully you've saved up all your money. Because yeah. uh-huh. there's a lot of great games. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're obviously, I think we have our strongest uh, exclusive lineup we've we've had, um, which we're really excited about. But there's just a lot of great games, not only on our platform, but even from our third-party partners. Mm-hmm. Let's. I want to, before we even get into the guests, the games that are coming up, I want to start with, you mentioned Rare Replay. And we yeah. did an entire week, I think, of, yeah. of Let's Plays for this. And what yeah. I was really... What I was really interested in is is not only the heritage of that studio, but also the the thought. This is what we were impressed with, I think, the most: the thought and the energy that was put into this. This wasn't what was so impressive to, about Rare Replay to me was not that we got to play these games again, but that this there, there's a lot of production value here. There's a lot of thought and the achievements and presentation and replay value. Huh? Uh, uh, <laughs> it's it's rare un- how un- much un- replay un- value un- there was. Unintentional, but <laughs> wow. but 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 pertinent. Um, so I'm curious, how did how was it received by gamers? Did it do well? And yeah. are you kind of looking at other catalogs that you might have in your control that to do something? I know you can't do something maybe as thorough as Rare Replay, but does sure. this kind of give you thought that maybe it's time to re-release some old games as well? Well, you know, I was actually just out at Rare last week, and I was there when they first pitched us the idea a little over a year ago. And we said, hey, you know, next year is our 30th anniversary we have this vault of games and we think we can get them up and running on Xbox one. And they actually had to go back into their sheds, you know, cause they're on kind of like a big farm property. And we went through the stack of like these laminated cards that were basically like the front and back of box of every game they've made. And it was hard to pick 30 because they've made so many great games over the years. Uh, but I'm really proud of what the team did. They, it was a very much a passion project for them Mm -hmm. and it really kind of, I think celebrating what they've created over the years and they did it in a very lovingly way. And I think a lot of the, the video unlocks and, uh, a lot of the different things they did was special challenges. It was not just a compilation where they outsourced some company that's like, Oh, we'll just put a bunch of things together and sell it as a 30 game pack. They created it themselves as something special for the anniversary of, of rare. So, um, it did really well. Uh, it's ahead of our forecast. We actually, uh, even the first week at retail, uh, we were sold out. So we had to restock. We yeah. don't usually don't, you know, uh, it, it's not usually a problem you have where games are stocked out at retail anymore. It used to be that way. Uh, so that kind of surprised us and it's doing really well, both in physical and digital. So, uh, we're excited. I think, um, you know, we've got it in one of our holiday bundles now and, mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be doing some other promotional things with the title throughout the year. And then, uh, but as far as other compilations, I would say this was pretty unique. So we're not now going to go run off and, you know, create six other things. This mm-hmm. was something special for rare. And I think it'll be a product that frankly, I think will do really well long-term as kind of an evergreen product. And secondarily, it's a product like for me as a gamer, like I own, I want to have it. And it's not something where it's like, I play it and trade it back in or yeah. whatever. It's like, you're just going to want to keep That's it. That's part of your museum. You totally. Know I mean? Like you want to have that as part of the collection. Yeah. What about something like Gears? Like, how's the reception to that been? Gears did really well, too. So we were really lucky. You know, our first two titles in what we're calling the greatest games lineup in Xbox history. Uh, <laughs> Good thing to call something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, we named that ourselves, so we might be fans, you know. It's like looking in the mirror and saying, mm-hmm. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. Gosh darn it. People like me. Uh, so, but the uh, it's, it did really well. Both titles reviewed well. Gears had the same issue. It sold out in the first week at retail. Uh, selling well a bit ahead of plan, mm. uh, which is just great to see, you know, Gears Nation kind of, you know, wake up. And I think the what we do with the backward compatibility uh, collection add on, we kind of surprise fans with that at the end. So knowing that buys or plays the game through this holiday, we'll get uh, all the Xbox 360 Gears games mm-hmm. as part of that uh, via back and pat. And that really kind of sets up 
what is really the big title for next year, which is Gears of War 4. Mm-hmm. Which we're excited about. I, yeah. I, I can't wait. Gears of War 4 looks so cool at, when we saw it at E3. Mm-hmm. And just the presentation was was exciting, and that will uh, that will certainly get me to go and play. I, I, I'm I'm stoked about that game mm-hmm. and, that, and, that, and that series living again and having kind of a different dynamic with a different studio and a different kind of take on on it all. Um, I'm curious, you know, since we're, we're, we're recording this now, a lot of people won't hear this until the week Halo 5 comes out. And obviously this is the big this is the big one, right? Yeah. I mean, this is this is your big game. Um, what what is the buzz been for Halo 5? Um, it's, it's something that, you know, I remarked we, we had worked at IGN forever and I remember there being this massive crescendo of excitement in the months leading up to three and four and it felt a little lighter this time around but a lot of our xbox fans out there have told me that i'm just not paying attention to the right places so what kind of like what are you seeing for the excitement with halo 5 and 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 i mean how stoked are you kind of just to finally get this out into the wild well first we're really excited the game is delivering i don't know if you guys have played much mm-hmm. yet but uh i played through the whole campaign uh i think it is you know for 343 what they'll tell you is this is the halo game they've always wanted to make it's on a whole new engine uh, and uh, they really did a lot of innovation with this title that I think is well beyond what they've done in the past. And so I, I personally, it is the best Halo game I've ever played. At least I played through a campaign, uh, and I think fans will react really well to it. And I think the innovation with multiplayer is there too with, with Warzone. Um, from a campaign standpoint, you know, we started in the spring early, and we did uh, the media spots with Lock and Chief hunt to kind of set up the whole that. Hunt the Truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we did the whole podcast series. Um, this podcasting, by the way, seems to be taking off. I know so. people seem to like these things. <laughs> yeah. They were alive and they kind of died. Yeah. Now they're back again. So, uh, and that did really well. And then, you know, it's, it's been a kind of a dream game to market because, you know, we have two heroes and there's a really rich story. And I think Halo feels like perhaps maybe the most anticipated game of the year, because it's not a title that comes every year. You sort of wait. It's been a few years since, you know, uh, Halo four and, and, uh, three years. And so I think, you know, this, when you start playing, at least for me, it just reminded me what makes it so special. And, you know, you get just, you're in that sci-fi setting and the rich story and to be able to play as lock and chief and, uh, and new weapons and all, you know, the verticality of the, of the design and some of the modernization of things you can do like ground pound and other things like that. Uh, I think just made the game really fun. And so, uh, for us, we uh, we did a lot of things I think that were a little bit different, and then we also did the you know the whole UNSC propaganda chief is dead message, which would sort of be like a, when the government comes out and mm-hmm. tells you something. There was a bombing in some country. You're kind of like, oh, I don't know if that's a real story or not, but it's what they're telling us. And then the second ad that came out was um, lock. You know, hey, the official story is that chief is dead. The unofficial story is lock. You're on a mission to hunt him down. And so that really sets up and drops people off. It's sort of what is the narrative of the game. And so we wanted to kind of build that naturally through the campaign. Uh, We're seeing record engagement as far as we look at conversations, views, all the types of things uh, around the creative. And uh, so we've been really happy with the response. And then the other thing we're doing is, um, you know, we'll have a lot of retailers that will do events and stuff like that, but so many people, uh, you know, uh, will buy whether they brought buy at retail the LCE offering or the Halo console or they digitally download. They're going to already have the game pre-installed and ready to go. So we wanted to kind of create an unusual launch event. So we're actually creating a launch event on the 26th. We're doing it on YouTube. We're actually mm-hmm. partnering with YouTube with this, and it's called Halo Five Live. It'll run from three to. 9 p.m. Pacific time on the 26th, and it's going to be TV quality, six-hour show. It'll be very much like a New Year's Eve kind of thing. We'll see Australia go first, and then 
uh, than Europe and then North America, and there'll be celebrity stuff, and there'll be you know uh, a lot of folks from three four three, some map reveals, weapons details. It'll be like an entertainment show, and we want to do is bring millions of Halo fans together around the world to celebrate launch in a way that like we couldn't physically do at like a just standing outside a retail store. Mm-hmm. Have you guys been working with Rooster Teeth at all? We have. Awesome. Yes. Yep. They're going to be in the show as well. Fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna do some fun like celebrity gameplay, and uh-huh. I think they're like you know putting them on a small map with all like rocket launchers and that kind of thing. And yeah. So they're gonna do some fun stuff like that. What about like in terms of like something like Red versus Blue? Like yeah. obviously, like to me, um, as some like Red versus Blue has always been a huge deal to to me, and like yeah. that's kind of a big part of the Halo experience yeah. is seeing how they kind of take each game and kind of use it in unique ways. Do you guys work with them? Like like with Halo Five? Like have have there been like meetings or anything or discussions about that type of stuff? That's not so much gameplay specific, but more like experience driven. Yeah, I mean, we've always had a good relationship with them. I don't personally engage with them directly. Uh, it's other folks on the team, and then I know they have good relationships with the folks at 343. Um, and so I think the spirit of what they do is, like, it's true to Halo. It's really entertaining. Um, and so we want to celebrate that type of stuff. And uh, so I know there's a lot of integration. Uh, I don't know the specifics of, like, how much they were brought in early, but uh, they're definitely a partner, and we're going to have them featured in the in the show for launch mm-hmm. for sure. That's cool. With Halo Five, one of the questions we had brought up in the past, um, and people have brought up in our in our community, and we've certainly talked about, is is there is there one hundred percent confidence in um, with the experience with Master Chief Collection not working right at, at launch? Mm-hmm. Is are you guys confident that hey those problems have been you know they've learned that, you know whatever they needed to learn to make Halo Five run? Um, are you guys worried about getting slammed the first week with players and 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 su- suffering similar problems? And by the way, this is not exclusive to Microsoft. This happened to Sony with Drive Club and a bunch of other studios as well. So I mean, yeah. are, how are you guys feeling about that particular aspect? Yeah, of it? it's super important to us. I think a few things that we've done. You know, obviously we did the Halo Five beta last holiday, which went really well. Um, they've, we've done, uh, a lot of things, you know, the, the engine and the infrastructure that Halo 5 built on is an all new engine, all new infrastructure. And, uh, uh, you can imagine that was already built and designed in a way that Master Chief Collection wasn't. And of course, after the issues of Master Chief Collection, uh, the team has done, you know, a lot, uh, extra checking and testing and, uh, you know, so the team feels like they're, it's a product they're confident they can stand behind. Um, and I think people will have a great experience. It's a lot of innovation. I mean, you leveraging Azure in the cloud, uh, the kind of jump in, jump out co-op instantly being able to jump in and play co-op with a friend and leave. Uh, not, not many games are really doing that. Uh, people call it drop it, but it's literally drop in, drop out co-op, which I think will be, which will be great. You want to drop in for five minutes, play with your buddies and drop out, switches right back to AI. Um, the tech behind that I think is pretty innovative, but the team, the team feels good about the product and, uh, and the expected reliability. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we move into November mm-hmm. and November is for me a big one because yeah. of a fallout obviously but you yes. guys also have Rise of the Tomb Raider coming out November yep. 10th yep. how are you you're you're the marketing guy so it's <laughs> like how do you this is something that's actually been pu- quite puzzling to me is was there ever any thought of moving Tomb Raider out mm-hmm. of the way because yeah. Fallout 4 to me is going to cannibalize everything are you guys worried about it cannibalizing your own exclusive game on that same day or is it more important to kind of stay you know stay the course and these might be for two different audiences anyway. I mean, how is that all going to shake out on November 10th? Sure. No, we worked closely with like a lot of our internal studios on like, you know, the Halo launch date, for example, when that's happening. Um, and we talked with Crystal on Tomb Raider. You know, the challenge is, is you want to, you have to look at the production schedule. You want to make sure that you don't rush the game so that it's not done and not at high quality. Mm-hmm. Like that's always the number one priority. 
the uh, the challenge with Tomb Raider is if you go a week later, you're against Battlefront. You go a week earlier, you're against Call of Duty. You go two weeks earlier, you're against Halo. So, you know, and then you go late and you're like, well, do consumers still have money left to buy the game? Right, that's a good so, point. Um, you know, so there wasn't a better scenario for us, um, except that that was the week that it wasn't going head-to-head against Call of Duty or Star Wars. We felt like the Fallout audience and game, while both fantastic games, uh, they're not direct competitors per se, um, but you're right. It's two big, big titles launching at the same time, uh, and we hope people will buy both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I had not, you know, that's a really that's a really great, interesting explanation because I had not thought about pivoting out of the way even one or two weeks actually just makes it even worse yeah. for, for the game. That's actually, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Cool. Like, there's yeah. just so many games coming out for, for all the systems and stuff, but even just Xbox specifically, all those games. Totally. If you're an Xbox owner and gamer, like, you know, you're, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> and most, a good teams <laughs> do, most teams do. I mean, first party, we know what our dates are, but most teams pick their date not knowing what else is going to mm-hmm. be there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then once you know, it's like, well, would you rather launch against Call of Duty, Star Wars, or Fallout? I don't think there's a better. Yeah, that's that's the ultimate like Hobson's <laughs> choice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. yeah. So you just got to launch and stick with your date and feel confident that the game will will stand up. And we believe we believe it will. It's, mm-hmm. it's a fantastic title. Yeah. I mean, we we got to play it a little bit at an event a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And like, it's fun, man. It's yeah. definitely, it's awesome. I think it's so far better than the first one. And mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the first one. Mm-hmm. So I'm Agreed. excited for it. And you're right. I think it is a different enough game mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the real big problem is the money and people having enough money to enjoy both. But yep. it's not that they don't want both. Right. So I think that's the thing. You yeah. Know, we'll see. It should be interesting. The second topic of the day, moving forward a little bit farther into the future. 2016 mm-hmm. specifically how will the xbox one stack up against the ps4 mm-hmm. in 2016 well i think you saw a little bit of our 2016 lineup and what we showed at gamescom but most people even internally as we've been meeting and kind of planning for next year people are like okay this year we have halo 5 we've got forza we've got you know like this must be like our peak year and then like next year must be down relative but Actually, we expect to sell more games next year, and we actually have more game titles releasing next year than we do this year. And if you start to look at that list of things that are coming, so we have Quantum Break in, you know, coming in, in April. Uh, we've got a, a Killer Instinct Season 3. We've got, uh, as you go throughout the year, we've got things like ReCore, Scalebound, Crackdown, Sea of Thieves, Halo Wars 2, Gears of War 4, and probably some things we haven't announced. So... It, that's, an extra- that's an extraordinary lineup. Yeah, I need my Cuphead. When am I getting it? Cuphead's Where's coming. It at? Uh, next year, coming. Yeah, good. Yeah, no, the team. We're actually uh, investing more in that title to make sure it is great as it as it should be, mm-hmm. and uh, have a great partnership uh, with with the guys that are building that title. So uh, you'll get your Cuphead, great, uh, along with your Gears of War four games of all sizes. So. Yeah, that's that's incredible because yeah. when I'm, now what I'm wondering, I didn't I didn't even consider. Half of those games when I'm doing my mental countdown because you're getting to the quantum breaks, you're getting to the scale bounds, of course. Yeah. But yeah, Killer Instinct, yeah, that's yeah. coming. Sea of Thieves, yeah, yeah that's coming. Yeah. So, what do you guys are you going to call next year the best <laughs> games lineup in Xbox history again? Well, you got to just keep Trademark. doing that, you know? Yeah. Why not? See <laughs> you yeah. like the Roman numerals too. Um, so the one thing I'm, you know, Aaron, you've been in this industry a long time. You've been at Microsoft a long time. You're a smart yeah. dude. You understand this industry. I was reading MPD earlier this this yeah. week. And the numbers continue to stagger me mm-hmm. for both consoles. Yeah. Now Xbox One and PlayStation Four are outselling their predecessors, same you know uh, month over month on the market for twenty four months by forty percent. 
Yeah. What does this mean to you? I mean, what, what are you taking away from this? Because this is such heartening news to me as a core console gamer. I don't want to play games on my mobile phone. I don't I'm not <laughs> I'm not much of a PC gamer, although, I, you know, I, I lose myself to Civilization five and stuff like that. But mostly I'm a console guy. I'm a core yeah. console guy. Yeah. What do you see? What does this mean to you? Because obviously your competitor is doing very well, but you guys are also out outpacing Xbox 360. And I feel like that is sometimes lost. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, people don't realize that. And not just from NPD in the U.S., but even globally. If you look at Xbox One sales month by month, how we stacked against where Xbox 360 was, and I think Xbox 360 was widely regarded as a huge success, and mm-hmm. you know was a, was a I think a great platform um, for us. But we are month by month selling more Xbox Ones than we did Xbox 360, and we're actually widening that gap. Um, so as we rate ourselves against ourselves, we're doing very well. Uh, we're also selling more games uh, than we sold last gen. Uh, so we're seeing the console market being extremely healthy and any of the early naysayers that went into this generation of, oh, you know, because it is cyclical. I mean, the console market tends to go down as you get into the later years, but then core gamers come back and they buy new consoles and they buy new games. And mm-hmm. then there's, you know, your, your other sort of uh, segments that come in after that. And so we're seeing really, really healthy. And if you look at the games lineup this year, you look at the games lineup next year. We think, well, you know, Halo will clearly sell a lot of consoles. Gears will sell a lot of consoles next year. Um, so for us, it's been really healthy. And Sony's the same, absolutely. So, um, you know, we're seeing the industry all up doing really well. Our third-party partners are doing really well. Activision, EA, those folks are, you know, uh, having great years. And so I think that, you know, it's good. As a console gamer uh, myself, I'm with you, and it's great to see a lot of innovation, a lot of great games, and the industry thriving. Um, are Do you guys... How much do you, you know, keep on the blinders when you're, at, you know, when you're at Microsoft or when you're at any other company in terms of we can't really worry about what the other guys are doing. Mm-hmm. We can't really worry about we got to kind of focus on that. How important is it to watch the competition and what they're doing? Because it seems like 2016 is going to be the year when Sony springs to life a little bit in terms of their exclusives because mm-hmm. they were very quiet. Yeah. This past year we had Shuhei Yoshida on our, our, one of our other podcasts, PS I Love You. And we were talking about I just came to the revelation that they actually didn't release a first party game all year this year. All their mm-hmm. all their published games are actually mm-hmm. were from second parties so yeah, it seems yeah. like they're going to spring to life soon so is that important to you guys at all or are you just being like we have to just stay on our road in our lane and figure things out we largely stay in our lane we obviously watch and monitor and see what they do um and uh yeah uh so I, I think we have we were surprised that they didn't have more games this holiday um you know we knew this is the third holiday this tends to be a really big selling mm-hmm. season uh, and so our focus has been on, you know, focusing on our fans, delivering the games that they want. And uh, we're doing that this year and we're doing it again next year. So I think we'll be very competitive. I mean, right now, I think most people would say we're the console with the best games. And so that's really what we want to hang our hat on and having the best online service, the best community for our fans. And so we're going to continue to invest there um, as a first party team, as well as um, working with top third party partners as well. Um, and I'm curious, you know, since it's, 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 I don't know if it's un- unusual, but it's interesting that you control the, you kind of the marketing for first and third party. So you're yeah. kind of controlling both things. How do you balance that when you're, when you, you know, you're looking at the games lineup? Well, even this, even though we're not talking about the 2015 games anymore, yeah. you do have, you know, your games like Tomb Raider and Halo, but you also yeah. have Battlefront or whatever Call yeah. of Duty. How do you kind of balance marketing in terms of like, what is, is the, is the priority to sell more first party games or is the priority to sell more consoles and more and more games? And it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if battlefront outsells halo, as long as you're selling the games. Yeah. So just organizationally, uh, our first party and third party teams actually sit on opposite sides of the building. All of our third party folks sit in closed offices because if they're working with Ubisoft or EA or, you know, um, whoever it may be, you know, they, 
have confidence. So it's, we keep all that stuff confidential. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, you know, the person that's working, you know, on, um, trying to think of like a key competitive title. Um, but if someone's working on a competitive shooter, you know, whether they're working with EA or they're working with Activision won't be talking to the gears or halo team, for example. So we're really serious about that. Um, we just look at the business all up. So we're definitely trying to sell consoles. We're trying to get as many gamers to play our titles. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's really the big focus. And uh, we know that we'll deliver, you know, some percentage, maybe 20% of the game sales, but 80% of them will come uh, from a third party partner. So they play a very, very uh, critical role. And some of those are just multi-platform games that wherever some of them are things where we do strategic investments with them, or we're a marketing partner with them, or in some cases we, you know, help invest and make the game happen. So just a variety of different ways that we, that we interact with them. And, uh, you know, now shooting back to 2016, let's talk about some of these games. Mm -hmm. I mean, what are the games that you're excited about? I mean, tell us about, you know, Quantum Break looks really, really good, yeah. you know, um, and, uh, you know, Scalebound obviously coming together. Platinum's kind of doing their thing over there. We're waiting to see more about that. Yep. So, like, what? how does this, how, what's 2016 kind of mean to you and, and kind of run us, we ran through the names of the games. So tell us a little bit about what games you're excited about. Yeah, I'm, well, I would say first and foremost, I'm really excited about Quantum. I am much more of a story kind of campaign based mm -hmm. guy. I do play multiplayer. I'm not the world's most competitive multiplayer gamer. So uh, I prefer co-op and things like that. So for me, Quantum is a story. Uh, you know, we know Sam Lake and the team there, you know, just like they did with Alan Wake. Uh, they did with uh, Max Payne and, you know, games I've always loved playing. Uh, really rich, deep stories that draw you in, uh, character-based stories. And so they're doing that again with Quantum Break. Now, what's interesting is they're also... Uh, integrating the live action elements. And so uh, to have the, you know, top tier talent like Sean Ashmore and, and other folks that are working with us on that, that also play characters in the game is something that's really never been done before in games. And so um, I haven't played through the game, uh, but there are folks on my team that have done played through the entire game and I've read through their notes and uh, I've seen, you know, we have a lot of reviews on the title and stuff and the team feels really op really positive about mm -hmm. how the title's shaping up. Uh, we think it will uh, review well and do well. And uh, I think it will, you know, draw a lot of interest and I think it'll help sell Xbox consoles, which is, which is great. Um, titles. I'm also super excited about. I'd say see if these is pretty high up there. I was out at rare last week and we uh, played the prototype. Um, there's uh, a prototype that was playable that we've been playing and it, uh, some of the core mechanics and the things that you do in that title are so much fun. And it is just a true rare game where I think like core gamers will love it, but also, you know, it's very, it's this open shared world experience and the setting of like pirates and ships mm -hmm. and all these fun things you get to do together uh, and different people's personalities come out and what they do do. And um, I found I'm actually a really evil pirate very violent when i get on a ship good and so you know, it's yeah. always fun yeah. as one should be exactly yeah. some people are much more cooperative and you know so uh, <laughs> um and uh i was just thinking because our, our head of european studios and i were on a ship together and he was like you know raising things and getting stuff organized and asked me to go do stuff and i was literally like hitting him with like a piece of chicken you know and uh, he's like what are you hitting me for we gotta go we gotta go yeah. i'm like okay oh you're right that's right we should actually be a and i was just like cool this thing i can hit him with it you know uh -huh. it's like you know sort of just felt like a child so uh, -huh. uh so that game i think you know we're seeing how visually that game is looking and we'll show more of that title this year i think people will be really excited to see that i think you saw a little bit of what's happening with crackdown and the innovation that uh, Dave Jones and the team's doing there uh, using the power of the cloud mm -hmm. and the real-time destructible, destructible environments, which just kind of blows my mind. Uh, and I think that is 
in reinventing the way games are made using technology that we didn't have last gen. Uh, you know, you think about like, what is a true next gen game? Like, I think we're starting to see those games come out now. And I think this year, and I think even more into next year, you're going to see titles that just literally could not be made uh, without the technology that we have today. Even Halo 5 is using the cloud and Azure. Mm-hmm. We talked about the co-op and design there. Um, so those are all great. We spent a whole day up at Coalition uh, looking at Gears 4 title, uh, same, same, it's a, I mean, world-class team under Rod Ferguson there. So another title that uh, I think will surprise people. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's just no shortage of great games mm-hmm. if you're a gamer, uh, no matter what you're looking for. What are some of the, the smaller titles you're looking, that people should keep their eye on? Because, you know, obviously people are excited about the Gears and like yeah. Rares making, Sea of Thieves. So it's like, those are the kind of bigger marquee titles, but what are yeah. some of the smaller ones? You know, we've shown some of them. Um, you know, Cuphead's a great example of one of the titles that we showed that we're, Really excited to get behind. I mean, the ID program is amazing because we're launching multiple games a week. And so I try to go in and play as many of them as I can. Uh, it is hard to keep up. But, I, you know, off the top of my head, I don't know some of the big ones for next year. But I can just tell you from like this year, whether it was like Goat Simulator or playing The Escapist or some of these indie titles, it just really surprised me how fun they were. Um, you know, I think uh, the lineup of games will be even bigger next year. And so, uh, yeah, so I think, you know, we'll share more of those details, but a cuphead would be the, be the marquee game that I would say, if you're gonna pick one indie game to play Mm -hmm. next year, uh, it's unlike anything else you've ever seen. When do you think we're going to hear more about cuphead? Because I want to know <laughs> when I'm getting this game. It looks so good. And like, the thing about it is it's everything cool. that's been released about it just gets me more excited. Yeah. It, it's a fun game. It's a hard game. Mm-hmm. Um, very challenging. And so uh, the team, our team internally, um, and the two brothers that are building the game, you know, we've been working really closely together and making sure that they are, you know, they have enough time and enough resources to do everything they want to do with that title. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I'm excited, you know, we've really gotten behind that title as a big bet for us and, uh, we don't want to rush it. We want to make sure it's, it's ready and it's great. Uh, it's the first game they've ever made, which is also kind of mind blowing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think the game will be fun. I, you know, my feedback to them was like, maybe not so hard you know like i think i mean we all loved ori and how hard that was to play and it was kind of rewarding and we kind of how many times we died in ori but i think to make you know we want as many people to enjoy your title and you know so i think being able to have some modes where people that don't want to just die 12 times to get through a level it they you know some of us feel the challenge of that but i think you want to make it more approachable too Mm -hmm. um yeah i guess i i I guess I have a question I'm not sure if you can answer, but I'm I, not because you wouldn't necessarily make these decisions, but you might have some insight into it. Sure. Because you guys are working with, you know, your second party partners as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Remedy is a great example with mm-hmm. with Quantum. Yep. How do you as a studio or as, as really a team, because you're not, you know, you're not a studio, but as a publisher, do you identify these partners and be like, we can work with these guys confidently? Or is there any interest in acquiring these studios to, to join mm-hmm. the family? Like, how do you kind of parse that out and, and figure those things out? Yeah, so most of our big IP is done internally by internal teams, like Coalition with Gears or 343 with Halo or Turn 10 with Forza. And then all those titles, we call them published titles. So there's a, we have a publishing team. Actually, I have a publishing marketing team that works with that group. Um, and largely what it is is they're some of the best development talent in the industry, but they want to stay independent. They actually don't want to be owned by us, most of them. And so for us to be able to say, hey, we want – 
to go hire these guys to go make a first party game, whether it's platinum making skill bound, you know, or remedy making quantum break for us to be able to take that type of talent, have them go make something really innovative insomniac. What they did with sunset overdrive mm -hmm. tends to be a little more like new IP and things like that, which is also pretty exciting. Um, and it is, it rounds out our portfolio. So that's kind of the strategy is to work with those independent developers over time. You, you've seen other folks that have done that where, they were independent and they ended, you know, Dice was independent at one point and they made some games for us and then they made games for in the EA acquired them. So they do get acquired sometimes, but largely mostly studios stay independent. Fair enough. I'm excited. 2016, it sounds like it's going to really, it sounds like it's going to be good just for console gamers generally. Yeah. It seems like everyone, everything's firing on all cylinders in mm -hmm. third year. It's going to be good. I'm, ex I'm excited about it. I am. Yeah. I'm, ex I'm ex quantum break though is the one I think that I've identified next year is the one that I'm, I'm super excited about. And I mean, it's going to take second place to gears. Mm -hmm. which is the game I'm most excited about on Xbox one next year. But yeah, everything's sounding pretty good. Yeah. The gears community is amazing. You know, when we look at like our engagement with fans, like the gears fans, like are so passionate and mm. so engaged, um, uh, you know, at levels we don't have with any of our other franchises. And so it's been kind of fun to see like that gears nation kind of reawaken and uh, the response to the ultimate edition. And then, um, you know, I think as we start to reveal more about uh, gears Four. It's going to be a fun, a fun campaign. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm still excited for Cuphead, so that that's great. <laughs> that topic <laughs> brought to you by <laughs> DraftKings, your season-long fantasy football team. Maybe going strong, but you don't have to wait until week 16 to get paid. Put your fantasy skills to the test every week this season at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. With one-week fantasy, there are no season-long commitments. If you got an injured player, it's no problem. It's like a new season every week, so you're never stuck with the same players. And get this, DraftKings is crowning a new millionaire every week this season. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time hurry to draftkings.com now and use promo code kind of funny to play for free with your first deposit in this sunday's one million dollar fantasy football contest where first place takes home a hundred grand and are kind of funny for free now only at draftkings.com that's draftkings.com it would be nice to be able to not play with injuries in my fantasy league uh -huh. since my team is just atrocious right now well, you should go over yeah. to draftkings.com <laughs> yeah i'm in a promo whole code kind of funny. network of i've got three fantasy teams and we have a donut pool at work and i'm in all and no matter what like it's the scenarios are all bad i'm rooting against myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm yeah. in i'm in really i'm in really <laughs> i'm in one very serious pay league with my uncle and his friends i've been playing with them for a long time and it's yeah. just they're just really good and they and they you know i draft well but then my waiver moves are really questionable and Oh, yeah, it's a whole thing. It's bad. It sounds like a thing. <laughs> it's, not, yeah. it's not good. Yeah. So topic three of the day. Usually yeah. the final topic of the day is brought to you by the kind of funny forums where we get audience questions. We read them to you. Kind of funny dot com slash forums. Uh, but what we're going to do is a little something different. We got so many great questions from you guys that the final two topics are both going to be audience driven. Well, cool. I'm really excited about this. We talked a little bit about Halo in the first topic, talking about 2015 games. But I want to dive a little bit deeper for uh, my boy, Joey V. Who wants to know, Joey. is Halo as big of a deal as it used to be? It's a good question, Joey. I think the, you know, um, what makes Halo special is it's not a, you know, you wait years to play it. It's not a title that comes every year. It's got a really rich, deep story. Um, you know, for me, it is, uh, you know, like what Star Wars is to movies, Halo is to video games. And I've grown up playing Halo and it's been such a big part of our Xbox heritage um, and I think what the team has done with this title, um, I believe will remove any doubt, I think about the power of halo, not that there's been a lot. I think most people are mostly really been excited about the game. Uh, and I think the innovations they're making with multiplayer will allow it to have a longer tail, if you will. 
Um, but the story and the campaign, which is what is the always been the core of Halo, um, is the best I've ever played. And and uh, so I can give my full. And of course, I'm the marketing guy, so I guess mm-hmm. take that with a grain of salt. But uh, I'm not saying that for everything. I really do truly believe this is a very special uh, version of Halo, and uh, I think I think people are going to be really excited. Second question, also Halo related, from Hollow Drone. How do you approach Halo marketing? It's quite appropriate for you. <laughs> I feel it's been quite corporate and stiff the last few years, but things like the new 20-second advertisements for next week's Halo 5 live event are much more tongue-in-cheek. I think focusing on that sort of thing is key to keeping people engaged with it. I would like if you spoke about the game as less of a product or an experience and more as a fun game and a fun universe to explore and play in. As the marketing guy, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think we have to reach we have different segments of audience. So we have like, we can reach Xbox fans and we can reach halo fans pretty easily. Like through our DAS, through what we call our own channels. We have our social channels. We have ways to, you know, reach people through our own channels. How do we reach mainstream gamers and mainstream consumers? They really then have to go to media. So we have to go to our TV campaigns. The launch event that we're doing is very much in the same thing as to like connect millions of fans around the world and allow them to experience this together, get excited uh, about the Halo launch um, the day before it comes out. And so uh, it's great to hear he's like some of the teaser spots. The Mm -hmm. team that is producing that show has produced some great teaser spots. They're kind of funny little kind of of funny. There we go. go. You didn't miss that. Yeah. Appropriate. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so there's one where it's like Barry white kind of slow jamming. And then there's one where it's like this thug life meme thing. And so, uh, but it's, you know, it's a thug life. meme. there's one, a, of, one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's red versus blue. It looks like a gang war and then uh-huh. it just pauses and it like does the, I think kind of the MIDI version of yeah. Tupac. So we don't That's get awesome. Yeah. We don't get sued, I guess. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, but it's just been fun and we, the idea is that they're fun and they're shareable and, uh, we're just basically, shamelessly trying to promote the show to get people to watch it so yeah. uh that's the idea quite okay. familiar with that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Tim, tim's our marketer yeah, yeah. exactly i saw you I, did i love your reading was good you oh, yeah oh, you, thank you, you. Sh- i think you should stick with us okay good yeah, yeah. yeah. i've been doing it a while <laughs> brought to you by <laughs> what, i really like halo because i think it's a such a unique game in the sense that it is played so differently by so mm-hmm. many different people and yeah. like you saying that there's different like kind of subsects of fans yeah. like some of my best friends are like the biggest Halo fans mm-hmm. and like my friend Alfredo is super into the competitive yeah. multiplayer side yeah. of it. Yeah. But then some of my other friends are super into the the campaign mm-hmm. and I, I think that Halo's campaign uh, kind of differs from things like Call of Duty and yep. stuff where people enjoy Call of Duty. Like Colin, you're a big fan of Call of Duty's campaign specifically over mm-hmm. its multiplayer yep. side. And uh, those those games always do kind of push the, the envelope when it comes to like what a first person shooter campaign can be. Yeah. But I think Halo's different in its lore yeah. and the fact that it, every game kind of builds upon the last and yeah. people are excited to know what happens next. So yeah. you're kind of saying like bringing up Star Wars, like that's really relevant. Mm-hmm. And it's great that there's people that will never play the Halo 5 campaign, but will still think Halo is a great game because they play online, yeah. you know, yeah. and play with their friends. And then co op is a whole other thing, totally. you know, and like the, the culture of just, beating it on legendary yeah. and being able to say, I beat it on legendary. Yeah. That's a thing, it is, you know? And like a lot definitely. of other first person shooters don't really have that kind of uh, legacy with it. Mm-hmm. And just then there's the ultimate Halo fans that like all of it, you know, they yeah. want, they want the campaign experience. They want the co-op experience. They yeah. want the multiplier experience. Yeah. So yeah. And we see fans, they're fascinated by the story, the characters trying to figure out what's going to happen. And I think that's what makes it so fun. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, we're all watching that. We saw the trailer for the new star Wars movie. And I think Halo has that same type of feel 
And, uh, we, you know, New York Times bestseller books and, you know, a lot of people read The Fall of Reach and we're actually making a Fall of Reach animated series. We're actually going to debut uh, the first episode of that in our live uh, show on the 26th. Oh, cool. uh, that is one of our things we have in our limited edition SKU. And so another way to kind of, you know, it's not a lot of video games where there's actually like a whole movie that tells you the story behind a lot of what's happening mm -hmm. uh, that was a book and a movie. And it's like and it leads up to like what's happening in the game. And yeah. so, you know, just that richness of the universe and the characters and whether, you know, ideally, like whether you've played Halo 1, 2, 3, and 4 and Reach and ODST or not, um, you can jump in and kind of, okay, I got it. Like there's two characters, here's the basics of the story, and you can instantly get in and, and feel like you're you're getting something immersive that, I don't know, I think is unique. I think mm -hmm. it's different than than what a lot of other games do. Something I really liked about the marketing of Halo 5 was how it... The, the podcast, the Hunt the mm -hmm. Truth podcast, yep. like, you know, we do podcasts, so we're looking at the charts all the time, especially yeah. with PSI Love You, which is now, you know, number one PlayStation podcast. Oh, um, yeah. Well done. <laughs> it It's always cool to see Hunt the Truth has been just up there consistently. Yeah. It's always yeah. in the top three spot. And it's yeah. like, that's really awesome. That I, That's a pretty unique yeah. way to promote the games and kind of promote the stories and people seem to be really into it yeah and i think you know we had a great team that went off and put that together and we were able to get some really good talent um to be able to do that and worked really closely with 343 and the team on the story i mean i got hooked on it i was like every week when there's a new episode uh, i didn't know what was going to be in the episodes and so i was listening uh, it came so popular that we decided to do a second season, which is up now, running now. And uh, it's just a great way. I think, again, back to like there's a story, there's a richness of the universe. And it makes it's fascinating, I think, again, for core fans that want to know and understand more, as well as other people that are like, hey, I just want to get introduced to this universe. And, you know, like we played in the car, you know, the pockets in the car. And, you know, my wife will listen to it, for example. And like she's not a big Halo fan, but she's totally like oh wow and she remembers the last one and so mm -hmm. you kind of bring other people along into the story yeah um and so whether you're a core halo fan or not and uh yeah so we've had fun doing a lot of i think a lot, a lot of interesting innovative things with the campaign and uh and now we are officially running the final uh campaign trailer uh has um, uh, we are uh using licensed music yeah like one of the first uh, that launch trailer that. got me so hyped nice. we did like a, a breakdown of it and stuff and yeah. oh man like to me i i love halo and i specifically i'm a campaign guy yeah um and i've been like kind of like eh, like five's coming yeah. it's not that i'm not excited sure. but it's like whatever it's halo yeah. five at yeah, this yeah. point we get it yeah then i saw a trailer i'm like i want this game like ah, i need to play We're doing this. our job <laughs> yes all right um as a like a marketing guy myself a question yeah. i have for you yeah. is so when halo is a game that has mm. such different fan bases yeah. whether it's campaign or multiplayer yeah. and all that yeah do you kind of have and I'm not even saying budget in terms of just financial, mm -hmm. but also just yep. in terms of how much time and thought you put into the planning. Yep. Do you plan, do you have a hundred percent of effort and you kind of divide that hundred percent up into, well, this much goes to multiplayer, this much goes to campaign or whatever, or is it kind of like there are two separate things that yep. th you guys are promoting multiplayer. You guys are promoting campaign. Yep. Yeah. Good question. So, we tend to think about the whole thing holistically and then we work with, um, you know, creative agencies that go off and produce the campaigns for us. We actually have a creative team internally that manages them. We work very closely with, uh, traditionally halo has been much more campaign led. And so this time we really wanted to dial up the focus on multiplayer as well. And so I'd say that's the biggest difference was, Hey, how do we tell more of the multiplayer story, the innovation that's happening with Warzone, And some of that is through, you know, whether the campaign, uh, you know, marketing assets will create, whether they're ads or digital pieces or whatever, but also like 
what do we show at events, you know? And so we did some stuff at E3 where we showed the campaign, but then we let everyone play Warzone on the show floor. And we did the whole HoloLens experience Mm -hmm. with Halo as well to kind of pre-brief you before you went and played Warzone. Uh, then we focused on more esports and the arena stuff at Gamescom. And so you kind of, you know, we, we try to, when it's the right story to the right audience at the right time, um, but it is a lot to tell. And so you could overwhelm people, I think, if you try to tell them it all at once. But if it's sort of like, here's some campaign, here's some Warzone, here's some competitive multiplayer. And then at the end, you know, with it, hopefully, you know, like your reaction, people see the, the, the gameplay ad and, and go, wow, this is a game that I got to have. <coughs> That's awesome, man. Uh, you're all right yeah i am are you choked up about halo i am i'm a little little sad (laughs) i was gonna say you having a you having a moment that was weird i don't know felt like there was sand in my throat um our boy maximum cortez wants to know what game did you think would be a huge hit that didn't do as well as you thought it would and what game surprised you when it sold well Ooh, good questions um you know, I think we learned a lot from Sunset Overdrive last holiday. Title reviewed really well. Uh, it did okay, you know, but it didn't blow blow out numbers. And I think largely, you know, it launched uh, within a week of like Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed and Master Chief Collection. And, you know, so within two, three weeks. And so I think it's hard sometimes for new IP like that because uh, customers have only a certain amount of money to spend on games. And you know, with new IP, I think it's much harder to break out during holiday. And we've definitely seen that. Um, so I think that would be one example of one where I'd say I played the game. I thought it was a great, it was actually my favorite game of last year for Xbox, our first party titles. And, um, but it didn't like, you know, it didn't show up number one on the sales charts or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then I think, you know, for this year, I would say so far, the thing that has surprised me the most has been rare replay. Um, it's selling really well. We'll probably sell twice as many as we planned. Mm. Uh, and so this is the reaction to that. And I think just the love uh, of the, you know, of rare and what they've created. And I think it's a great value. You get 30 games for 30 bucks. So it's mm-hmm. like a dollar a game. So, uh, and there's a lot of great games there. Uh, so that, that's probably been the one that surprised me the most. As a quick, uh, a side question, since you brought up sunset overdrive um, made by insomniac uh, studio, I know very well. I'm, I'm friends with Marcus and, and drew who, oh, are the, great guys. who are the guys that helped create that. And I know yeah. them obviously from resistance, which yeah. was when I was doing the PlayStation beat at IGN. So we're, we're quite friendly. Um, and I went, you know, and did, that was the first time I ever went to first party preview coverage was mm-hmm. I went and did sunset when we were still at IGN. And I was, I was also really intrigued by the game. Is there an is there any interest in doing a sequel or working with Insomniac again, or you guys have kind of moved on from that? that situation? At, at this time, uh, I don't think we've announced anything. Uh, we had a great experience working with Insomniac. Um, we were happy with the title, but again, it didn't you know blow out. Uh, it wasn't like a blowout breakout success. Um, you know, I think the title was really innovative. It was a really fun game to play. Uh, but I think in some ways, you know, if it, there's a, like you have to find that like consumer sort of alignment with like. How, you know, what is the one sentence description if you're in an elevator with me to describe what Sunset Overdrive is? And I think a lot of people took like it was over the top action and it was sort of, but in many ways it was like kind of a skateboarding game yeah. with like guns, you know, and it was like super fun over the top action. And so I think if people, you know, and of course it's not a skateboarding game, but so it became, it, I think it's probably our own fault it became a hard game to describe what it is. And I think, you know, if you're struggling to even just simply describe what the game is, uh, you know, we don't have that problem with Forza or Halo or other titles. Um, I think that that might've uh, been part of the challenge for us. The awesome apocalypse. 
Yeah. Awesome Apocalypse. I liked that a lot. Yeah. 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 yeah, and we had fun. I mean, we made the weapons, and we had like you know the T and Teddy gun, and you know we had we had people. I like the one with the vinyl. The vinyl record. Oh shooter. yeah, it was cool. yeah, yeah. So we we did all. You know, we had uh, the um, the energy drink. I'm forgetting now. Uh, we have cases of that in our office. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, oh yeah, was what was fun. what was that called? I don't remember. God, I forget. I can see it. It's blue and orange. I can yes. see. I can see the can. I had yeah. it on my desk. Oh, my team would. Overcharge. Thank you. Thank you, Scooter. Yeah. Scooter for the win. <laughs> Joey Fatoni says, will we ever see any of the plans for Xbox One that they dropped come back? I like the idea of physical and digital for everything. Also, what's one feature you'd like to see on Xbox One that PlayStation 4 has? Hmm. So, uh, as far as uh, uh, the first question I didn't quite understand, most of our games we do launch physical and digital. Yeah, okay. Um, but we do hear a lot of the, like, we wish you did a lot of that, you know? So I think people really liked some of the vision and things that, uh, that we, you know, wanted to do with the platform. Um, and I think we're, we're delivering on a lot of those. I mean, the, you know, now we're pre pre pre-order games and, you know, there's, uh, you can share gold and, you know, you can, if you make it your home console, people can play, uh, all the, and anyone else can play all your games on your console. So there is a lot of nice benefits to what a lot of that, you know, vision that, that people heard about. Um, with that said, uh, we're still, you know, innovating. We still have a long list of things we want to do and backward compatibility. This holiday is one example of something that we're really excited to deliver on. Um, but there'll be more stuff, the new Xbox one experience, of course. And then, um, but there'll be more and more things we'll be bringing the next year and then the second question was uh what's a feature from ps4 Sony, that you'd uh, like oh i'd like to sell as much as them maybe mm-hmm. is that a, <laughs> a great <feature>. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean because frankly it's like that's you know that's the fuel right so i mean the more you sell the more you can reinvest and so we've been really fortunate that our console sales are up against 360 our game sales are up um we feel like we're delivering the games uh and so um, you know, we're, we're happy with where we are. I think Sony's done a lot of great innovation. I mean, I have a PS4 and, uh, and I, you know, I've been excited with, with what they've done and, uh, their last round of updates I thought were fantastic. And, uh, you know, I have friends that work there too. So, um, I think, you know, both systems are doing well, uh, both systems are selling a lot of games. And so, um, uh, we've innovated in different ways perhaps, but, um, but yeah, um, I, I think for us, uh, there's not a lot of things that we didn't do this year that we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I lied to everybody. We are running out of time. So we're only going to do one round of the, the things. Let's go lightning round real quick through a couple more before we got to let you go. Cool. Foxygen wants to know, Final Fantasy VII Remake's coming to PS4 and PC. Do you think it might come to Xbox One? That would be a question to ask Square Enix. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I love when people ask about in, in individual third-party games. We always want to have as many games as possible for our fans. Uh, and uh, so that would be a question to ask Square Trevor Starkey wants to know how much time and thought goes into bundles. Quite a bit. Uh, that's not my, my team works with the game sides, so whether it's a first party game or a third party side, but we have a hardware platform team that does that. I mean, this year I think we have 12 or 13 different bundles and the idea was, Hey, we have all these great games. We, this is a year we think a lot of people are going to be migrating from Xbox 360 to Xbox one. So let's have, there's a Madden bundle and a FIFA bundle and a, gears bundle and a tomb raider bundle and a fallout bundle like we've got you know and then we've got you know our value bundle with ori and rare replay and gears right Mm so it's just no matter what type of game you're looking for um if you're looking to buy a console you're gonna find a great value um in one of those bundle offers it's pish asks do you think we'll see any more exclusive benefits for day one xbox one owners 
exclusive. Oh, like day one edition SKU. You know, we talked a lot about that. It really comes down to our retailers interest and how important that is. And, you know, what we don't want to do is have like a day one SKU that's like there two months later, you Mm -hmm. know? And so that's to be something special for day one. I think it depends on the title and the case. Um, Largely, most of those tend to be tied to pre-order campaigns. And so you'll continue to see us offer things uh, as a benefit for pre-ordering games. Um, I would say that will be more the focus than a day one skew. Uh, but there will be titles that do special things on day one. I mean, Halo, we've got the Halo console. We've got the uh, limited collector's edition, the Triforce statue of Lock and Chief that's out now. We released both those a week ahead of the game so that people can download, pre-download the game and have it ready mm-hmm. when it launches. Um, you know, so... You know, depending on the title, there's reasons why we'll we'll do bigger things for those. I would consider both day ones. Those things will sell out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, within within a week or two. Final question. Yes, from some random guy called Destin Legary. He wants to know <laughs> what does the X in Xbox stand for? Ooh, uh, I don't think it stands for anything. Uh, we we know that answer well from when we worked at IGN and everyone asked us the okay. same question. It doesn't stand for anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to have to let you go. I'm yeah, sorry we, I lied to all of you. But <laughs> yeah, we have an accelerated schedule. We appreciate you, though, and well, you, you are always welcome with us. So you know, we yeah. hope to see you again sooner. No, thank you for having me. I'm a fan of the show. I love what thank you guys you. are doing, and uh, it's awesome to see you guys go off and do your own thing. And uh, and I think you guys are more than kind of funny. I mean, I think you guys are legitimately Thanks. funny. Thank so. you. <laughs> no, thank you, Aaron. We appreciate that. <laughs> I'll well, take yeah, it. we'll we'll have to. We'll get you back on the show in the yeah. future when you're back, and we'll hopefully see you at E3 and all that. As yeah, well. that'd be great. Yeah, thank you so much, man. Thank you. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. For the final topic of the Kind of Funny Games cast, man, I fucked up. You did I fuck we, up. I thought we were good. I thought yeah, that we had a, had way more time than we did. They got here a little late, and we got to respect their schedules yes. as well. So yes. know, we got 50 good minutes in. But I, had I, feel a plan. Like, I feel like the podcast wouldn't be long enough without a fourth topic. Yes. Yeah. So we, we had free. to do that. Mm-hmm. We need the fourth. Mm-hmm. We owe them the fourth. So we do. I went over to the Kind of Funny forums over at kindoffunny.com slash forums, looked at the game cast topic for topic suggestions. If you have them. Please go there. Leave some. We'll get to them next week or the week after or some week in the following future. But gather a whole bunch of your questions together. We're going to go through them. Not so Xbox related. Okay. So this Xbox topic is now. I wouldn't be able to speak to that too. Just, too authoritative. just a normal topic. Cool. Fantastic. All right. Getting into this. Daniel Adult Man. Daniel Adult Man. Let me tell you. I'm loving these names. Like, yeah, that's a good one. Recently, I've been seeing a lot of good usernames. Mm. So, so shout out to you, Daniel Adult Man. Hey guys, Halloween is near, and it got me thinking about what my favorite horror games are. So what are your favorite horror games? This is interesting because this topic, if you're watching on YouTube, will be going live the day before Halloween. Oh. So Hollow's Eve, which is some bullshit. The I told, you, I told you all. Long Island motherfuckers. <laughs> it wasn't a Long some... Island. It wasn't a Long Island. It was when I lived in New England, and I told you. And my favorite thing about that, by the way, on Game Over Greg's show, I think it was, was all the responses of, of everyone telling me that you know once again... I was right. Yeah. And I know that it's hard for everyone to imagine. How, it was actually how can a, a man be a right Twitter so much? Thing. It was a Twitter a thing. A Twitter thing. Okay. Where me and you were talking. Yeah. You tried telling me that the Halloween Eve is a thing. And I'm like, you're what? I'm telling Fuck you that. that when I lived in Maine. And then I tweeted about it and I get all these people screaming at me. And I'm like, oh, man. Like, they smell like Long Island people. <laughs> I, I can just, I get this. And then someone posts a picture of the United States, like, color heat breakdown of who the fuck gives a shit about this bullshit-ass day. And it's literally just, like, this small little section over in your East Coast glass Real palace. America. Um, favorite, favorite <laughs> horror game? Uh, my favorite horror game is Dead Space. Yes. Um, although, um, yeah. How do we define this word too? Because I like is Bioshock a horror game? Because to me, that's really that's one of my favorite games of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then I'm a huge fan of the old Resident Evil games mm-hmm. um, and Resident Evil 4 I think is the you know the, the, the epitome of that as well uh, more recent games uh, Outlast I think would probably be my favorite uh, horror game of the last few years mm-hmm. yeah it was good this week as you guys have probably seen if you listen to us on Patreon a little hint at the future is going to be a whole bunch of horror let's plays by yours truly half of them with Colin half of them with Nick they're pretty good we're doing a whole bunch of stuff Until Dawn PT um, Slender and uh, Outlast. So they've, they've been pretty cool. I'm excited to see the reaction to them. I have to give a shout out to Fatal Frame. Specifically Fatal Frame, Fatal Frame 2 Okay, on the PS2. That game scared the shit out of me. And uh, it was a very creepy game. And something about the PlayStation 2's inability for realism, like even when it's trying for it, made everything that much creepier. A little unsettling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can respect that. Um, the new so Fatal Frame just came out, I think, on yeah, Wii U. Yeah, on the Wii U. I don't think mm-hmm. anyone liked it, but... Yeah. Uh, I heard it was okay, but people are upset about censorship stuff. Oh, they censored it. Is that what everyone was yeah. upset about? Because I saw there was a lot of... A lot of... People get mad about upset those, it, that, Upsetness. That stuff. Yeah. yeah. Which, ugh, that's a whole other that's topic. Not, yeah, uh-huh. that's, yeah. It, it is something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's a whole bunch of horror games that are definitely... I love Slender. The Arrival, the first time I played it was for this Let's Play. Didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the original Slender like demo thing the eight pages that they did um because that game is fucking scary and i enjoy it because a lot of these scary games you play and it's like you expect to get scared all the time but it takes like outlast takes a good 30 minutes of playing before like a scare happens right the original slender scares happen within the first five minutes and i do think i want to give a shout out to outlast specifically because of the mechanic i think mechanics can contribute a lot to what makes a game scary so i think that like the lack of solid control in old resident evil games was almost one of the things that made them scary because you couldn't reliably get away from them although that's an excuse because that wasn't the intent of the bad controls that's just a byproduct of them but outlast's um camera um i think is a really super clever mechanic uh managing your batteries and stuff like that i think it's it's just i think it's just a really neat mechanic dead space's mechanic that made or dead space's really presentation is what made it stand out and the ishimura um going back and forth to rooms you've already been to and looking for slight discrepancies or things or new blood and all that i think dead space the original dead space is really a masterpiece i actually Mm -hmm. think that that game is even i would even go as far as to say is underrated as far as uh, really as far as i feel uh, like it's pretty fairly Fairly rated. In terms of horror, I guess that's true. They ruined. It's funny because EA and Visceral jumped off a cliff way sooner than I thought they were going to with that with that series, as opposed to it took a little while for Capcom to remember Resident Evil, but they ruined Dead Space pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, they so, did. Which was unfortunate to watch. Yeah. Jake LL wants to know what we think about Guitar Hero Live. So I've not played it, so this is all you. I've played, I've played a couple hours of it, and so far... I'm in love with it. It reminds me of everything that I liked about Guitar Hero back in the day, Rock Band and and all that other stuff when it was fresh and new. And having not played these, you know, peripheral games in a couple of years, going back to Rock Band, it's like, uh, it it as fun as it is, and it definitely is fun. I had a lot of fun with Rock Band when I played it. All the bullshit and all the things that don't work and all the the little little seconds of like why is this taking so long to load this thing why can't i find this song like all the questions that i have get in the way of it and then once i play it i'm like oh yeah that's cool and there's something about the 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 fact that we've played these songs all before and it's like we're just doing it again it's cool it's like oh it's been a while but it's like all right there's a little too much available to me it's not tailored to give me an experience anymore it's just kind of like it's like the difference between when you're talking about music, listening to an album and just turning on the radio and just having a bunch of shit there, right? You know, and or, or not even the radio, like iTunes, and just 
buying stuff willy-nilly and like downloading shit. Uh, whereas Guitar Hero, it, Guitar Hero Live reminds me of what I loved so much about the early Guitar Hero games and the early Rock Band games, which was it's a music discovery platform. And it's also a new experience for me with the new guitar where when I'm playing it, I feel like, fuck, I don't know how to do this. I keep fucking up. I keep fucking up. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm not fucking this up. I can do this. And I remember when I first played the original Guitar Hero, the difference between, all right, my fingers are on the first four, adding that fifth button and having to slide your finger, that was like a, a step that you had to overcome in your head. And with this Guitar Hero, with the new one, I've already experienced multiple steps in learning how to do it. And it's fun and it's awesome. The presentation's really cool. Um, I love the, the tutorials. They just throw you into being in a concert, doing the live thing. And you just have to, you don't even get to choose the songs. It's just three songs back to back that they assign. It's kind of like a, just a predestined thing. And I liked it because unlike Rock Band where it's like, all right, I'm just, you have a bad set list. I'm just going to download the things that I like and you just play those things. This reminds me of what I loved about the old ones where it's like, I don't know these songs. These are fun to play. They chose these. They want me to play these songs. There is a thought and an order to this set list. I am growing and learning with this game, and I'm learning about new music. And it's like, that, to me, is Guitar Hero. That's what makes it good. The biggest problem with Guitar Hero, I'm not going to dedicate the time to learn it and to have it be the party game that I think they want it to be. Yeah, and it's almost like, in that respect, it's almost, it reminds me of a sports game or a really popular shooter where it's a game that you, you learn and you play and you play and you play. I don't... Because of the, it's even more than that. Because of the financial investment of getting these games being not comparable to a normal sixty dollars mm-hmm. game, because they're not. I mean, Rock Band especially is just really expensive. It's funny because I was really of the mind that it was time for these games to come back, and now I'm of the mind that I might have been wrong, and that maybe not wrong for some people that are enjoying them. There's always going to be people that enjoy these games, but I'm really interested to see how these games do, especially Rock Band, which a lot of people seem to be down about. And and mm-hmm. I, um, I don't know, I. I I don't I'm not even really interested in playing Guitar Hero, even though I appreciate um, appreciate kind of the differences of the game compared to Rock Band, which I think is very static and stagnant uh, compared to the other ones. Although I will say that my patience for bullshit is also becoming lower as I get older, too. Mm. Um, so like the syncing of the controllers, we had a lot of problems with that or the instruments. It reminds me I've been I was playing Oregon Trail, Oregon Trail yesterday on Vita, and the controls are just so atrocious when you're shooting in that game. I'm like, I don't have page. Like I just yeah, I have no time for excuses and all these kinds of things. Like I just I'm moving on now. I got to I got to play something different. So, um, you know. It's it's one of those things where where these games are such a significant investment that I hope people are really going to get the bang for their buck ultimately because I don't mm-hmm. feel like they're getting the bang for their buck out of the box especially with the set list of these these games. Yeah, I mean, I Guitar Hero set list I love, and the fact that the set list on the box is not even representative at all of what the game really has because of the I think that might, I think that might be thing. all I've seen. So yeah, uh, the, so there's GH Guitar Hero Live, which is like you you play and whatever. Then there's Guitar Hero TV, which is kind of this music streaming service where at any time you go on, there's a different set of songs that you get to play for free, um, and it's like curated playlists and stuff. And like it's just the setlist is awesome. It's fucking awesome. So that it's going to be exciting to see how this all shakes out. I don't think it's going to shake out well. I don't think that these games are going to, you know, be the huge hits that they used to be or that maybe people expect them or want them to be now. But this is the Guitar Hero I wanted. Like, they made the perfect Guitar Hero for people that want just to get better at learning the game and being good at it. This isn't a party game. This isn't like all that stuff like Rock Band. This is not that. Yeah, at least it's at least it's certainly drawing a comparison to its to its competitor. So you're not you don't get two of the same games. Mm-hmm. I'm not even wor- I'm not even wondering about critical reception, which has been I, I would say lukewarm, but still good uh, for both games. 
I'm even wondering if these games are going to be profitable. Well, like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, it's it's going to be interesting to see how people like kind of recept it, especially Guitar Hero, I think, because Rock Band is, at this point, a thing people accept. Guitar Hero is definitely a step in a different direction. And uh, a lot of people are upset about the microtransactions. Have you heard about how Guitar Hero is doing this? Uh, I saw people upset about it, but I don't know the, the So people are really mad about it. It's a new style of microtransactions where you can't own the downloadable content for Guitar Hero. You can't just pay a dollar and have the songs. You pay for like play tokens and your token can choose. You can play the song. Then there's things where it's like you can buy like 24 hour party passes mm. where it's like $6 or whatever it is. I wonder why that is. I, mean, I think it's totally like a licensing. Yeah, thing I was going to say it sounds like a stuff. licensing. And like this is a very it's upsetting, but you get the play tokens by playing the game. So you don't have to buy. So them. you don't have to buy them. Mm. And like I'm unlocking these things left and right where I'm like, this is kind of cool. And constantly because of guitar hero tv you don't get to choose the songs you play if you want to choose you need to pay or use a token that you can gain in game but there's always playlists that are free so there's always samples of different songs every time you turn it on it's a different set of songs you get to try out for free no i, li- I like that it sounds my, my thing with microtransactions is as long as it's not too egregious and it doesn't sound it's egregious here since you can earn them organically in the game and it's a single player game so you're not breaking it for anyone else it's like mm-hmm. what does it really matter at that point i mean it's kind of complaining about nothing almost mm-hmm. it's interesting though um, because i think people are going to be mad and upset that well, they people can't are mad and own upset about everything the song the, yeah that that i that i understand why people will be upset about but that does sound like classic licensing issues mm-hmm. where it's it's they could not negotiate the in perpetuity these you know, well the these other songs. big thing is guitar hero tv has music videos playing in the background like the actual music videos. that's so cool I think yeah that's i heard another that level of licensing legalese and, and, and complications yeah. Complicated. Yeah, yeah we'll see it all shakes out um onificate says the rise of the tomb raider is a timed exclusive for the xbox one it won't be released for playstation 4 until fall 2016 my question is what are your opinions on timed exclusive deals like that are they sound business deals immoral or somewhere in between what was the second one? A moral? Yeah, it's not, it's nothing moral or immoral about business. Um, is it a sound decision? Probably. It bolsters Microsoft's, in this case, Microsoft's um, uh, exclusive portfolio. I'm sure that there was an exchange of money. There's no doubt about that. I don't see why Square Enix, which is the publisher, would really want to um, limit, limit, the, limit the reach of the game, especially watching what happened with a game like Titanfall, for instance, which would have done much better had it been multi-platform. Um, but these deals are made a long time ago. Again, as I've said in my in the past with Titanfall, if I, I, if EA knew what was going to happen with Xbox One early on, I'm sure they wouldn't have made that deal. And, and who knows what Square would have done? But again, the infusion of capital from the public from the first party might make these games possible or make them break even without even having to sell a game. So, um, so there's all these business ramifications. How do I feel about them? I think it's fine. I, the, the gaming is a competitive marketplace, and these things do matter and they do work. People that are big fans of Tomb Raider will not want to wait a year, and if they don't own an Xbox, they're going to buy one. So it makes sense. I don't think you know. Is there morality in business and immorality in business? Sure, sure there is, but this is not an example of immorality in business. Um, immorality in business is you know betting against mortgages that you own and mm-hmm. hoping they fail or something like that. That's that's immoral. But economics, you know. The market will dictate whether these things work or not, and time and time again, these timed exclusives do work. Yeah. Flea Dog wants to know what our favorite gaming peripheral of all time is. I don't know. Um, I remember getting Super Scope 6 when I was a kid um, for <laughs> Christmas, and uh, I really just wanted it to play with it outside. Yeah. So, And that's what I did. I just had like a cool little bazooka that I can like shoot fake enemies with. Um I don't know. I mean, like, I like the NES Zapper. It was very, use is very limited, like two games. Um, 
but generally I don't I don't really care much for peripherals at all. So the answer is like none. I would I'm fine with a controller. Mm. I want a controller. I want to play games with a controller. I want gimmicks. Yeah, I mean for me the Guitar Hero controller definitely specifically the Guitar I mean, yeah, Hero. Yeah, I guess those work, yeah. 3 controller. Man, I fucking love that thing. Uh but besides that, I uh, got to give a shout out to the transfer pack that came with Pokemon Stadium so mm. that you could, you know, hook your your Pokemon Game Boy game up and use your your Pokemon in, in the the system which was like fucking mind-blowing. Um and it also had a mode where you could play Pokemon on the TV, which was super fucking cool. Another shout out the Super Game Boy. Oh, yeah, Super Game Boy for SNS, and I was going to say Game Boy Player as well for um, GameCube, GameCube was really cool. Those I wouldn't really consider peripherals. Um, yeah, the transfer pack, I'd say, is more of a peripheral. Yeah. Um, but that was great. And, I mean, the Rumble pack, you know, now is nothing. It was very novel back then. First playing with Star Fox was like, holy shit. It was, the Rumble was novel and and and, and copied, much copied. Um yeah, there were some good ones that added, and some ones like the expansion pack on on N sixty four. I was like, this is such bullshit, but it's it is. Dumb, but it is yeah. a good idea. I'm surprised that it's a good idea in that you can do more with the game and with let your developers figure out time, ways to extract more out of a system that doesn't have the horsepower it did at, at the start. I, I'm surprised actually that PS four and Xbox One are both so closed. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that there's no way to expand them because it would make them live longer. But yeah, that's also complicated. Final question of the day. Craig the Human asks, when do you think we'll see redesigns of the Xbox One and PlayStation 4? Yeah, this is a common question. I don't know that you're going to see them quickly, but you have to remember that the redesign of PS3, let's see, 6, 7, 8, 9. So it took like three years for the PS3 to redesign. We're probably going to be in the same place for PS4. They don't redesign them just to redesign them. They redesign the consoles typically to make them cheaper to manufacture, and then they can drop the price, or they can keep them static if they want. But it's mostly to, to, like, when you look at PS3, the way it started, and then PS3 Slim, and then the third PS3 Slim, the the third PS3, like the Foreman Grill Mm -hmm. one, is like a third or a fourth of the size of the original PS3. It's all about, like, getting everything down and compiling it into Mm -hmm. as little as possible to save money. If PS4s are being already sold you know hand over fist and they're already making a profit off of them then it might not be worth the r&d to make them to the imperative might not be on them to do that unless they can shave more money off but since they just dropped the price of the ps4 as it is now i will not expect to see a new ps4 until they're ready to drop the price again and i don't think that's going to happen until next year or the year after i think another thing there too is the fact that they use the new versions to kind of promote to get another spike in system sales Mm. you know and with uncharted 4 coming out i don't think they need any other reasons to have a spike like that is going to sell systems yeah. and that type of stuff so yeah absolutely um i do think though that depending on what nintendo does with the nx and announcing that at e3 i think that that could somehow influence both sides xbox and playstation to have redesigned things just to kind of steal the thunder a little bit from nintendo if they do announce the system this is very if they do announce a system that's more powerful yeah, I mean, the rumor is that it'll be at least uh, the rumor will be at least as powerful. I don't think it'll be more powerful. That'll be really awesome if it was. That'd be really yeah. extraordinary. But um, yeah, I think actually the the I find the Xbox One personally to be quite inelegant. Mm-hmm. It's fucking massive. It um, really, it's heavy. Really, the is. the brick is not even inside of it. I don't understand how these two somewhat comparable consoles in terms of power. One is like got everything inside, including the power, and is. Uh, half the size of the other one that's heavier in it so i think that i want to see what the microsoft engineers being very smart people what they can do to make that thing smaller and lighter and get that brick inside the system so you don't have this freaking massive thing singing outside your tv um i think that you'll see a redesigned xbox one before you see a redesigned ps4 
Ladies and gentlemen, that's the kind of funny games cast. That topic brought to you by Loot Crate. Would you classify yourself as a geek, gamer, or pop culture nerd? Then this is the subscription box for you. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items of gamer and pop culture licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. Make sure to head to lootcrate.com slash kfgames and enter code kfgames to save $3 on any new subscription. Every month, there's a different theme, and all items are curated around that theme. Basically, Loot Crate's like a friend who knows what you love and surprises you with an awesome present every month. You have until the 19th at 9 a.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate, and when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. Over. So go to lootcrate.com slash kfgames and enter code kfgames to save $3 on your new subscription today. Colin. Tim. Thank you very much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, Appreciate thank you. you for being here. And Cisco, I love you. We love you, Cisco. And I love everyone else out there. Did you see this? Well, I've seen him tweeting out lately. Did you, recently, he tweeted at me and he was just like, how come you didn't say I love you? Oh. I was like, what are you talking about? Oh. He's like, your sign off on Gamescast. I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize that that was like a well, thing. And a whole bunch of people responded like, yeah, I don't feel loved. No, know that love we love you, you especially you, Cisco. Yeah, especially. Know that we especially love you.